Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored Sponsored by your son, Mayor Torjman. <coughs> Rabotai, we discussed a little bit of this on Shabbat. We find a very strange phenomenon. Moshe comes to Paro. Paro says, forget it, I don't care if you're going to bring Arbe, you're going to bring Locust. Like the words of the song go, Sammy, hit me with your best shot. Fire away, Paro says. If only he could have uh, copyrighted it, then he could have made a lot of money when it went famous later. Paro says, hit me with your best shot. Go for it. The people come to Paro, and I pointed this out on Shabbat. Who comes to Paro? The Pasuk says, Avde Paro. The servants of Paro come to Paro and they say, Ad Until when is this guy going to be for us a stumbling block? And here are the words that I, I, can't, I can't get over them. I keep thinking about them. I mention them on Shabbat. Do you not yet know that Egypt is lost, is destroyed? And listen to what it is that's saying this to Paro. It's not his advisors. It's not the Chachamim. It's not the astrologers. It's not the Hartumim, the magicians. Avde Paro. For a servant, a slave of the king, to speak with that kind of chutzpah to the king. Don't you see? Don't you know what's going on? You know, it's a fire sale. Weren't they afraid he'd kill them? And the answer is they were. But they were more afraid of Moshe because his track record was impeccable. Do you guys remember James Earl Jones? So there was a while back, I don't remember exactly how many years ago it was, I'm dating myself, when he did a commercial. He did a commercial for New York Telephone. Or maybe it was Bell, I don't remember. He said, if someone told you that there was a 99% chance of rain, you know, would you take an umbrella? Remember that commercial? Would you take an umbrella? Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't 99%, it was 100%. They're terrified. Paro says, I don't understand. He goes, okay, you're right, fine. He calls him back and he says, me, vami, aholachim. Who's going? Moshe Rabbeinu says, bin arenu, biskenenu, we're going to go with the young, we're going to go with the old, bibkarenu, we're going to go with the sheep, we're gonna, everyone's going. Paro says, why, what are you, lechuna givanim. Only, the only people that should go is the men. Lechuna givanim. Now, the question is, why did Paro say to Moshe Rabbeinu, after all this, they just gave him the, the knockout punch. They just showed him, you know, checkmate. Paro, you want to keep them, says the Avadim, but you're going to lose all of Egypt. So what do you gain by keeping them here if you're destroying the very country that you're trying to support by having slaves? That's the question they're asking. Paro acquiesces, he's like, okay. But then he goes, starts going, making conditions. On Shabbat, we spoke in the class about stubbornness, why uh, a paro, but I want to offer another alternative understanding here. Well, the, the alternate nature of understanding over here was that paro was not trying to wheel and deal with Moshe, tell him, only take the men, leave me the women, leave me the children. He wasn't even being uh, like a kidnapper, you know, or, or a hostage situation. You know, okay, fine, send them, but leave me with the wife and children so I have chips in my, you know, I've got the chips in my, in, in my, uh, in my hand. What paro was saying was, you want to travel into the desert for three days? What is it? There's no beds. There's no swimming pool. There's no daddy daycare. What are the kids going to do? What's the wife going to do? It's a difficult trip. It's hard. You want to go serve Hashem? Serving God is hard. That's not a job 
for women, says Paro. That's not a job for children. That's a job for a man. That's, this is what Paro is saying. Moshe Rabbeinu answers and he says, I don't think you understand. Everybody's going. Kichag Hashem Lanu. Because this is a holiday of God for us. Rabotai, the words, those words of Moshe are so powerful. They communicate to us, amen. They communicate to us a deep truth about what it is that ensures the future of the Jewish people. If you come to your children and you say how difficult Pesach is, how hard it is to prepare for the holiday, how tough everything is all the time, then the, the likelihood that the children will want to carry on those traditions is increasingly diminished. There was once a story with Rav Moshe Feinstein who lived just down here on the Lower East Side. In the 20s, when people couldn't, you couldn't get a job for anything. You had people on the Lower East Side, a very strong Jewish community. They were Ashkenaz down, down there in Lower East Side, Delancey Street, uh, you know, Rivington, uh, Allen, all these streets, you know, that they were full. It was the most rich, culturally rich Jewish place. You couldn't believe it. And then all of a sudden, in the Depression, you need to get a job. People couldn't, they couldn't put food in their mouths. But every Shabbat, they would tell the factory owner that they're not coming to work tomorrow. The guy would say, no problem, here's your pink slip. We'll pay you for the week, find a new job on, on Monday. Every single week you had families who they didn't have money to eat. And the husband would come home on a Friday afternoon and he would say to his wife, honey, I got fired. Again, honey, I got fired. Honey, I got fired. There's an unbelievable story that takes place down on the Lower East Side. It's a short drive from here. There's a man walking down the street, very wealthy man, fur coat, and all of a sudden he sees two kids, African-American kids, black children, and they're speaking one to another in Yiddish. And he thought to himself, this I never saw. He backs up, he walks up to the kids, he says in Yiddish, I'll translate, I know I'm in the Safra Synagogue. He says, how do you know this? You speak Yiddish? He asked these kids. The kids say, yo, yo, I Yiddish. And all of a sudden he notices they're wearing kippot. So he says, are you Jewish? They say, Avada, of course. He says, take me to your house. I need, I need to meet your parents. Takes him to the house. And all of a sudden he starts to become aware as he's walking with the kids and he's taking a closer look that the children are not African-American and they're not, they're not actually even black. They're just covered from head to toe in soot. They get to the house. He says, this is where we live. And they, he goes to the door. He says, here, he goes to the door. They say, no, no, not over there. They go to the side entrance. Their father, it turns out, had been fired from job after job after job after job after job. And finally he got the job to be a super in a building. And you know why he took the job to be a super in a building? Because he could do that job and not get fired for Shabbat. But there was an extra perk. Because he was supposed to be in the building at all times of the day and night, and they wanted him to live there, they gave him permission to live in the furnace room. So he moved in with his wife and children into the rooms of the furnace, and they were covered with the soot of, and the oil and everything that goes on in that, in that room. And they, they had no place to even wash. The man, he sees his family in the situation, these kids that he thought were, uh, were regular Jewish kids, you know, and he finds out that actually they, they were non-Jewish kids, he finds out they were Jewish kids. He reaches in his pocket, 
He says, is your mother here? They call the mother, the mother comes. He pulls out $500, which at the time was a fortune of money. He says, please, take this money. Get your kids out of this. Uh, this, uh, this is ridiculous. Can't be that people should live like this. She says, thank you so much. Who are? He says, don't worry, it doesn't matter who I am. Just another Jew. I see someone living like this. I can't. breaks my heart. Please, she says, he says, take it away. And she's blessing him and thanking him and this and that. And the man's about to walk out. And the woman says, just before you go, she says, please don't take this the wrong way. She says, I see you're a very wealthy man. He says, I'm a man of means. She says, do you work on Shabbat? And the man says, yeah, yeah, I do. I do I work on Shabbat. And without a second's hesitation, she takes the money, she hands it back to him. She says, sir, we are here because we don't want to benefit from money that's earned on Shabbat. The same way we don't take it from anyone else, we can't take it from you. Thank you so much for the thought. Thank you so much for the sentiment. But here's the money. The guy takes the money, puts it back in his pocket. Mejnun. Your kids are living in a furnace room. He goes home, opens the door, takes his fur coat off, hangs it on the golden, uh, you know, uh, uh, coat hang thing. And he says to his wife, you'll never believe I met the craziest people today. He tells her the story. But he gets a reaction from his wife that's diametrically opposed to what he thought it was going to be. And his wife says to him, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. What has happened to us, she says. He says, what do you mean? She says, even our money is trafe. Even our money is non-kosher. He says, what do you mean? She says, when we got married and we started having difficulty, you promised me that we would keep Shabbat and the only reason why you were going to work this Shabbat was because we, we absolutely needed to. We had no food and as soon as we were back on our feet, we would never do this again. But you know what? We never stopped, did we? And we went from one stage to the next and here we are, one of the wealthiest people in the city. We're well able to afford, but you know what? You never kept that promise to me. And now look at what we are. They won't even take our money. Even our money is trafe. And his wife is crying, crying. Until eventually he's inspired. He feels his heart kind of it penetrates. And he says to his wife, don't worry. I'm going to fulfill my promise. The man walks back down to the address, knocks on the door. The woman comes to the door. And again, he reaches out his hand to this woman with the, with the children, the African-American looking children who speak Yiddish. And she says, I already told you. And he says to the woman, you could take it now. It is now the money of a Shomer Shabbat. Rav Moshe said once that there was two groups of parents that every single week got fired from their jobs. And two families that lived next door to one another, and one whose family became rabbis and chazanim, worked in the community, and the other one, that every single one of the kids went off and found a different path and wasn't connected to Judaism at all. And the father came to Rav Moshe, he says, he and I, we both did the same thing. We gave so much for Judaism and so much for Shabbat. And look at his kids and look at mine. What's going on? How could that be? Zu Torah vezu sechara. Is this the Torah and is this its payback? Rav Moshe said, he holds this guy, he gives him a hug. He says, Rohi, he came home every week and he said, wow, Shabbat. Look, it's tough, it's hard. But you know what? Shabbat, Shabbat. I'm sure Hashem will provide next week. And the kids felt proud that their father was doing what he did. 
You came home every week and you said, I can't believe it. Shabbat, again. Again. And in Yiddish she said, It's tough to be a Jew. It's hard to be a Jew. You thought you were teaching your kids how beautiful Shabbat was. You were teaching your kids how difficult Judaism was. Isn't that unbelievable? Moshe Rabbeinu says to Paro, what you think that this job because it entails traveling into the desert is only for the men because it's a pain in the neck and no one else is going to come? No. Kichag Hashem lanu. This for us is a holiday. And the holidays, how hard do we work in putting up the sukkah, in preparing the meals, in, in, in getting the house clean for Pesach? How hard do we work? But we do it with a song in our hearts and a smile on our lips. When a person does that, they can be ensured that they will have dorot, yisharim, mevorach, many, many beautiful generations of children that follow in the ways of Torah and mitzvot of Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. Rabbi